episode five of the Umbrella Academy. Marigold may be over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Marissa Garza, and following Harlan's instructions, I'm listening with my Marigold to try and find our co-host. I think I found her. Mary Kukowski? Mary, are you there? I'm there. I mean, I, I would personally never follow Reginald Hargrave's instructions, but... It's fine. It's fine. Oh, Harlan's instructions. Harlan's. That's Harlin's different. I mean, I wouldn't follow either of their instructions personally. Uh, Harlan's instructions are um, a little bit, a little bit out there, a little bit too in tune with his own feelings for me. And then, well, yeah, uh, they're <laughs> and then they're Harlan's. And then uh, Reggie's instructions generally just result in a lot of um, destruction and death. So. Follow, follow your own either. instructions, Mary. That's my, not that it was solicited in any way, but I would say follow your own okay. song. Okay. <laughs> follow your yeah, own sure. heart. <laughs> March to the beat of your own. Yeah. Drum. One of those. One of those. <laughs> uh, well, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. I was looking at things and there's a, a lot of moving pieces in this one. So um before we jump in, I do just want to remind everyone you can find this podcast along with all of our other coverage in our own Posture Recaps feed at posturerecaps.com slash umbrella dash academy dash feed or in the everything is super feed, which is slash super or anything in the binge show recaps, which is posturerecaps.com slash binge. We are on at the end of this podcast, we'll be halfway through our coverage of episode by episode recaps for the Umbrella Academy. So uh, these will still be coming out through July of 2022. And then we will have a feedback show at the end as well. We'd love to hear from you along the way or in preparation for that feedback show. So you can reach out to us in the Post Show Recaps Discord, directly to us on Twitter. We've got Frail Mary and Mars Bars you can reach out to, or you can email super at postshowrecaps.com. Those are all the logistics of all of the things for for how to find us with your podcast marigolds, I guess. Um, and just as another reminder, these episodes will be spoiler-filled, so we will be talking about this episode like we have watched the entire series, because we have watched the entire series so far. Um, if you don't want to be spoiled, please do go finish the series and come back and join us. So Mary, episode five, what are we thinking? Well, if you were really, really excited to hear about Pogo, you get a little bit of that, at <laughs> yeah. least. Yeah, there's yeah. some Pogo. There's some Pogo. There's a lot more Klaus, so I'm always going to be on board for that. A uh, l- little bit of romance, if you're <laughs> into that kind of thing. And a little bit of uh, kind of moving the ball toward the finish line here with the um, sort of a portal through the Buffalo Room. So we've yeah. got a lot. Got a lot of uh, important things. I'd say this episode is starting to move. Like we've kind of crested the bell curve and we're coming back towards like episodes that really matter. Yeah, I think this episode is picking up the pace a little bit from the episodes that we had recapped prior where we were like, okay, you're moving things forward. But this one, we're really moving things into like, the, we're moving closer to the climax. I could, I could feel it as well. So um, should we just get into it? See where yeah. we end up. All right. Let's get into it. Well, this episode starts with uh, us getting a little bit of a peek at Pogo's backstory. So we start with a flashback into 1994. And I don't know if they were channeling Kill Bill or The Matrix or both, but those were the vibes I got out of this. Um, basically, there's like this martial arts room or and also Cobra Kai because I also love Cobra Kai. But um, there's this martial arts room and Pogo is training the sparrows and the object of this training session was basically the first person to ring the bell while fighting with the other person and Ben and Jamie are matched up. What did you think of this fight? Yeah, this is a lot more advanced for the young children than it was in the original timeline when they were just like running upstairs and, and, things like that. Like uh, when the Umbrella Academy was getting their young training, it felt like it wasn't quite this hands-on, but this was, this was pretty interesting. Um, we had talked a bit 
last time about whether or not this is like the same Pogo. How much has, you know, this this timeline and this version of Reggie changed how Pogo is? And I think in some of these scenes, he seems a bit more like what I what we kind of came to expect from Pogo. It's really how everything ends up. Uh, that that really make everything a little bit more different with him, but he still seems to be someone who's kind of like uh, training the the kids, but and and clearly feels some manner of protectedness over them more so yeah. than Reggie does. Yeah, he's definitely. I think in in this version of Pogo, he's protective, but like also not afraid of Reggie. And I think like mm-hmm. original Pogo had some fear there and I don't, you know, obviously it's probably because of the experimentations that were done and all of that stuff. And I don't know if that didn't happen um, in this timeline, but we, we get a fight between um, Ben and Jamie. It's a very big fight. Like, this big deal um we think that the fight's gonna end when ben is is like tentacle squeezing jamie but jamie um is still hanging in there and pogo's like hey wait this is too like this is too much and reggie stepped in and he says no jamie will tell us when it's too much which at that point i was like okay like okay but also like she could die like i'm pretty sure that's not how (laughs) like like it works Right, like it shouldn't be on the person who's being in a training it, simulation, right? So. Like destroyed here to be yeah. like, I, okay, I tap out. And plus, I don't think that if Jamie had said that, if Ben would have necessarily let her go. No, yeah, he was totally in like this weird place. I don't know where he was, but Jamie uses her resources and picks up a piece of wood that had come off of the wall before and stabs one of the of Ben's tentacles with this wood piece and Ben like runs away. I thought it was interesting. Another instance of Ben running away. So much like Faye's birds, it seems like Ben's tentacles are also if you hurt them, mm-hmm. it hurts him as well. Yes. Yeah. At the end of this fight, we do get a conversation between Reggie and Pogo and we have some, co- some like foreshadowing. I didn't pick it up on the first watch. Um, but Reggie says, I think it's time to send them to the other side, the other side of where <laughs> like the other side is in the other side of the hallway. What side are we on? The other side is in the afterlife. Where are we going? Um, and Pogo is like totally against this he thinks that Mm -hmm. this would be like suicide and doesn't want to send the sparrows that way yeah and obviously on a rewatch we know that this other side is probably the other side of hotel oblivion right right hotel obsidian into hotel oblivion obsidian oblivion yeah would make a great band name um Reggie, you know, says to Pogo, okay, fine. If you don't like this, you can leave. And Pogo's like, I could be out in a week. And Reggie's like, you could be out tomorrow or today. What about today? And this is where we see the scene of every, all of the sparrows are lined up in, in the hallway. They're very, very sad. Pogo's walking through and kind of like leaves a box of medication to give to Marcus. And that's where we find out where the medication comes from and kind of know that Pogo was behind the medication of Reggie. Yeah, uh, it seems like this Pogo is is very much like not fully trusting of Reggie in the way that he was in the other timeline. Um, Yeah, it really kind of goes back and forth. So it seems like kind of up till this point, this Reggie, before he gets medicated, is very similar to the way that the Umbrella Academy described their relationship with their father. Um, But for whatever reason, this time around, Pogo decides, actually, I don't want to be a party to this and I don't want these children to live this way. Whereas in the previous timeline, maybe because Reggie was waiting for much later to try and and send the the kids to the other side. Like, it's unclear why that never happened. If I had any, like, this is, again, me being all about the trauma if i had any um guess into it if pogo was more traumatized by reggie in the umbrella academy timeline he'd probably want to stick around for uh protection and be as but close I guess, to them as possible as opposed why did to reggie but like why did reggie not want to send the children 
to the other side in the first timeline when they were so much older. Yeah, I don't know. That part, like, when when did this, when, was there a Hotel Oblivion in the other timeline? I think so, because I think that that, the the only way I can wrap my brain around it is I have to assume there's always a Hotel Oblivion. It always happened because we saw the flashback, or it's it's in a future episode, but when Reggie is going to create Hotel Oblivion, that's like way before he has any of the kids. And I think the idea, it always made sense that like, or it only makes sense if he always only wanted seven kids because he needed seven people to go into Hotel Oblivion. So I think either... Season one was created before this concept had been fully established. (laughs) Or if you really want to look at it a different way, maybe with the Umbrella Academy that he had in season one, he knew that they needed more time and more training in order to all discover their powers. And when you have someone like Klaus, who's kind of refusing to discover his powers and instead um, drugging himself in order to not do that. Um, And then they all they all move out. So I maybe, think that's the key. I think it's yeah. like the separation because when you look at the end game of Hotel Oblivion, from what I remember, we'll see if my memory holds up on the on the rewatch. Basically, all they did was like, I mean, yeah, you needed like the energy, but they just stood on a symbol, <laughs> and like the energy came out of them. I don't know if like they needed to like build up their mana, for lack of a, this is like video game terms, or like Magic the Gathering terms. But like if they needed to build up their resources to a certain threshold to be able to get the energy that they needed out of that. But I have no idea why they couldn't just like Reggie couldn't just say to the Umbrella Academy, hey, we're going on a field trip, go through this hallway, step on these things, bada bing, bada boom. Like, I don't know what the development of the skills had to do with the timing of things. I do think the camaraderie and the we're going to trust each other is part of it. Because it's like moving together as a unit into this unknown weird space. Yeah, I I guess that's possible. Um, I think the answer kind of to all of this just has to be in this timeline, everyone's a little different. Maybe his plan is a little more accelerated. Maybe he thinks that he found some more highly powered children and, and that's kind of why he feels like maybe he can do this. Maybe he's getting more desperate. We don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out who in maybe probably two seasons from now. I don't know if we'll find out in the next (laughs) one. So yeah, that's the little slice of the backstory that we get into Pogo. Uh, we return back to the episode and Five has, is at the biker bar with Pogo and where we had left them at the last episode. And Five says, hey, I'm one of Reggie's children from another timeline. And Pogo's like perks up a little bit. He's like, oh, okay. And um, he, he mentions that they met before in 1960s and Pogo's like, well, if that was true, I'd be talking to a 60 year old man. He doesn't necessarily believe it, but I think he kind of knows what's up. But uh, this is where all the bikers come to protect Pogo as he takes off and goes to his trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, this is, this is interesting because I kind of feel like Pogo should just, hop on board with like whatever it's like you grew up or you know you spent the last several years with a bunch of super powered you know kids you live in a universe where their posters are just like plastered around the city someone else showing up and being like yeah i'm one of those kids but from the past and from the future at the same time that yeah it checks out i i don't understand why five feels the need to get a tattoo like the tattoo he says oh, it's to close yeah. the loop but like you're already in paradox city i don't know i don't know i think it's um well so when he visits he five visits pogo at the trailer meets Tammy. yeah who you know apparently is uh pogo's girlfriend mm-hmm. and explains that he got this tattoo from pogo in the future like, again with the skin again with the skin i didn't need to see it but flip-flopping do we, around do how do we even um, know 100 percent that that is like that, that tattoo was given by Pogo in the future. I mean, isn't it only given by Pogo in the future because he's doing it by Pogo right now? I th- I don't know. This is where we've the clone already we've already yeah we've clones. already gone through this. This is where I think the clone breaks might their come brains. Into play. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I do think we, like here is where Pogo says, "So it happened. What happened? What was? <laughs> what do you think? Like what happened? I guess." 
like someone went through the hallway but they like lila and diego i guess had opened the door at this point but hasn't really like i don't know i don't know what so it happened but he definitely knows that something's like going on i think yeah it's it's so it happened so i guess reggie is able to go to hotel oblivion like i think that that's maybe the implication here yeah, that could be. He shares a book with five of symbols and sigils, which totally like throws five for a loop because he's like, Yo, dad believed in science and facts. But, you know, the Fibonacci sequence can be put into like spirals and stuff. So science and art are very well together, five. Don't don't dismiss them. Um, and this is where Pogo kind of explains, hey, we were preparing the sparrows. It, preparing for if the sparrows didn't come back back for like five doesn't know we don't know at the, on first watch we know now um and he says project oblivion is starting again does that mean like it was abandoned or it was failed and it re came through like that's I think what i was trying to figure maybe out maybe like the uh, it's starting again meaning that reggie was starting it before he was being medicated and now that he's been taking off mm. taking off the medication he's starting it again that could make sense. Yeah, that makes more sense than it was failed and then was restarted. Uh, but this is where I, I didn't know if any of that would help answer the question that you asked at the beginning of this conversation, which was why did Five choose to get the tattoo? To, and Because he says, all right, I better get this tattoo to close the loop. And I don't know if that's because of like back to the future time travel logic of like we have to do the thing otherwise the thing won't exist like i don't know i don't know it didn't talking through this did not clarify this for me is kind of where i'm going that's kind of how this whole show is sorry for everyone listening to this podcast and this doesn't help break it down at all but it's still i think that that's like kind of the point when it comes to like time travel content is like half the fun is just talking about it even if you don't fully understand it yeah and just like letting your mind expand um, so basically, to wrap up the Pogo and Five stuff, Five meets Pogo, gets the tattoo, learns about Project Oblivion, gets the the book with the symbols and everything. And that's pretty much all we see from the two of them this episode. Anything we left out? Not so much. Um, I don't know. Was How are you, like, in general, the whole Pogo thing, the, the Pogo being alive in this timeline, did you feel like that was necessary? Was it worth it? Was it interesting? I think I liked seeing this version of Pogo. This is kind of the version of Pogo that I kind of wish was around in the first timeline of like not ne- of, of challenging Reggie. Reggie really didn't have any ch- challenge until all of the everyone left and split and his power was kind of like split in that way so i enjoyed seeing that part of it but i don't know if he added much the same conclusion could have come from five just finding the book and learning about stuff i don't know if we needed to learn it from pogo yeah i think it was kind of more just like a like fan servicey people yeah although I, i guess it does help like i almost feel like i wish allison was here during this conversation because it might show her like, yes, Claire is not alive in this timeline, but other people are. And maybe other time, like, I I don't know. Even though five keeps saying like, we need to stay here, like deal with it. This is our time. Y'all could, y'all could find somehow, somehow maybe I would not completely give up hope that you might be able to time travel again and if you do, maybe Claire will be alive somehow because Pogo has been. Right. Right. Exactly. Good point. Good point. Well, another pair that we follow. There's lots of duos and pairs yes. in this episode. Another pair that we follow throughout this episode is Luther and Sloane. So last we saw Luther, he had come over from, to the Spiro Academy after his interaction is what I'm going to call it in this episode with Allison. Um, And he kind of, you know, Sloan's bringing him food and he's loving it and he's stress eating and all of this stuff. Uh, And he says he can't go back because he was fighting with the siblings. I found it really interesting that in, you know, talking to, to um, Sloan, he doesn't mention anything like, Hey, I'm kind of like really bothered by what just happened to me with, my sister 
or anything along those lines. The only sign I could see that he was stressed out or traumatized was the stress eating. Like I didn't see any any residual things from that interaction come into this episode. And that was kind of rough. Obviously, this is not okay in the real world. But I think potentially the implication the show is supposed to be saying is like, because he previously had interest in Allison, that it wasn't like, I don't know. They've had, they've had this sort of will they, won't they for so long that maybe he wasn't feeling as bad about it. Like maybe feeling not, not like he wanted it. Obviously I mean, he was actively saying no. Like, so that's why I'm trying to toe this line. Cause I think this is like not something that should, should be how it works in the real world. But I'm wondering if the idea was more like he knew that she was upset and wasn't just was choosing to like not think about it and not hold it against her. Um, I wish I could say that we have other episodes after this where he explains a little bit yeah. more about this. But I think the the solution that he's been doing is basically just like, nope, I'm all in on Sloan. Push it down, you know? Um, yeah. Almost in the same way that someone who's like in a committed relationship, but then in a movie or in a play can kiss someone and like not be phased by it because they're like, mm. well, it, it was, it didn't, I don't know, it was fake. Like maybe that's sort of what he was thinking about it, but I feel like he should be a little more. Even if it wasn't like, hey, this like explicitly come out and say like what happened, like being off a little, I would imagine after something like that, I would be a little off. And the only sign that I saw that he was a little off was stress eating. And that's like the well, only thing. That is what that... he did a lot of season two though. So I think that that might just yeah. be his go-to, you know, maybe yeah. that's, maybe he, he just really wants to be with Sloan and doesn't, and doesn't want to spend his time with her thinking about Allison and, you know, rehashing that. I don't know. Yeah. It just kind of seemed like I was really like really watching with a microscope on the rewatch to see if anything, but it definitely like was breezed over in, in my opinion. Um, I agree. He also is just talking about like reflecting on his relationships with the siblings and saying the only thing we have in common is childhood trauma. And I don't know if that's enough anymore. Well, and I think that, you know, we just talked at length about like him not directly bringing up Allison. I think this is part of it. I think that he's realizing that maybe relationships he thought he had are different and not as strong as he thought. He thought that maybe they had more general respect for each other. And now he's kind of thinking that might not be the case. Yeah. And to me, this is a... uh... Welcome to being an adult, Luther. This is just like all of the friends that like you're friends with in school because of a school condition. Or for me, I had a moment mm-hmm. where I like I had friends that I people pleased around and then I realized I was people pleasing and then, oh, they're not like as good of friends anymore or something like this. this it was just a very relatable statement from surprisingly Luther. I was like, oh, way to go. Um, I don't know. I'm still, I still find he's still not my favorite. Oh, he's not my favorite, but I there I I think his conversations about trauma are interesting. Yeah. As, um during this whole interaction, Faye comes in and says, Ben wants to talk, and Sloan's like, oh yeah, I'll be right down. She's like, no, not with you, with him. <laughs> and, and Luther was hiding behind the door. Uh I thought it was really funny because Sloan thought that nobody knew that Luther was there. And Faye's yeah. like, Yeah, we yeah. share a wall. I, I totally know that he's here. <laughs> I always think that's funny. It reminds me of just like there's so many times where people think that they're being quieter than they are, and it's like not you're not fooling anybody. Well, and it's such a like uh, sibling, like big house type of thing that would happen. Like you can't mm-hmm. hide. You can't you can't hide as much. Um, when Ben goes down, Ben's like trying to figure out Luther's like, what's your game? <laughs> Yahtzee. I, I also like Yahtzee. It's funny. Um, and this is where they start talking about old Ben. And Luther thinks that old Ben is still in there. And he also mentions, you know, he's like, ever since the Jennifer incident, and this kind of ca- catches this Ben in his tracks, and then Luther kind of goes past it. So again, we we have an opportunity. We have a little breadcrumb of the Jennifer incident, but we don't learn anything more about it. No, except for the fact that it seems like it happened in both timelines or something right. in regards to Jennifer did. Right. But that's really all we find out. 
Who's this Jennifer lady? I don't know. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where Ben offers Luther a spot in the umbrella or the Sparrow Academy because Grace brings out a box. <laughs> She's like missing her eye. And Luther's like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, why wouldn't I be? <laughs> here's your here's your uniform. Welcome to the Sparrow Academy. Uh, and Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just thinking about more about the Jennifer thing. Do you think that it's possible that it might be like someone that Ben loved that he accidentally murdered or did oh, save sure. or yeah. something like that? I was going to say, oh, I yeah. feel like that's kind of the only thing that would really make sense. But I don't know. It's interesting because Jennifer seems to be the only outside of Academy name that's like ever. It's not like Diego's like, yeah, and my friend Tim <laughs> or, you know, like, so how, how did Jennifer well, we get had, to be so close with the. Yeah. I don't know. Academy? I mean, we, we had patch, maybe it was just cause they were younger. Like uh, that was, it seemed like once Ben died, that was kind of the thing that tore the umbrella Academy apart. So maybe right. they were closer and had more outside friends and things. But I just don't imagine Reggie letting some outsider get too no. close to the fam. True. So I think it'd be interesting to see that story come out. If you're listening, if you for need sure. ideas for season four, let us know. <laughs> um, during this whole, like, welcome to the Sparrow Academy thing. Faye is not like on board. She's like, what is that about? And Ben, again, I don't understand him. It's just like, wouldn't you like to know? Okay. Like, I think I think he thinks he's being meaner yeah. than he is. He's but... like trying to be tough, but I think he's also kind of, I think part of him wants to be the Ben that the Umbrella Academy is always talking yeah. about finally. And oh, I think, sure. I mean, this is going to be a trend we're going to see over the next several episodes. Ben just really, I think, wants to have like a close family. And I think he thought that the way to do that was to be like in charge or to be sort of ruthless and mean, but that's really not the way to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. And he's always being compared to something or someone. So it can be hard to know who you are in those situations. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Anything else about Lutheran Sloan? No. Um, I mean, good for them. <laughs> I don't know. I, the, the the Lutheran Sloan stuff. I think the other thing that I'm kind of sad about is like, like Sloan's fine. I got nothing. I got nothing against Sloan. But like, she was probably the member with, with the exception of Marcus purely because of his abilities that were kind of, we, are, we already have that in Luther. Sloan was probably the one I was least interested in out of all of them. Mm -hmm. And she's the one we get the most of. So I guess I just wish that she had some of the abilities or personality of someone else, but then Luther probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be into her. So I don't know. Eh, she's fine. Little lackluster situation here. Well, but yeah. um, don't you yeah, want, wouldn't you have wished you could have dated like Jane or Jamie? Sorry. Jamie? I, wish, I feel like Jamie has the more interesting, fiery personality. She That's does. Jamie. She does. Yeah. But I don't see Luther going for that. I think no. that's, you're you're spot on on that. Part. I feel like in a different universe where there was no Lila, that would have been like Diego's oh yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. Oh well, for sure. Well, moving on to another dynamic duo, we've got Klaus and Reggie. Um, Klaus visits Reggie again, who again is watching T.J. Hooker, and I have to say, one of my favorite. I just love when he's, there's something about old people watching TV. I just love it. I just love it, and he's like. You could do it, TJ. <laughs> Cheering him on. Love it. Um, and Klaus basically comes in and is like, hey, can you help me out here? And Reggie's like, why do you want to talk to me? And he says, you're so much nicer than the other one. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I understand you're not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand all this, you know, whatever, whatever. But I still need like a dad type figure to kind of help understand who I am. Well, especially since this is just after he's gotten come back from the dead where his mom was like, the thing you're looking for has been right in front of you the whole time. And I think he took that to mean Reggie. So I guess he feels like he there's also some like fate yep. reason why he needs to hang with Reggie. Yeah. And he, you know, he brings up some of the stuff he saw when he was um, dead 
I guess. Um, he says, you know, why did you lock me up? I need to understand why you locked me up in a mausoleum, mausoleum and slowed my heart rate. Um, but he's asking a person who didn't do this. Like, that's so funny. But yeah, he's like, I just need to understand why you, not you, did these things. Um, and he, you know, is very vulnerable in the fact by saying he's like, I'm tired of screwing things up. Like, he really, it sounds like, wants to really know how mm-hmm. to utilize his own abilities for good. Um, and Klaus uh it basically lies on the couch while reggie acts as like psychiatrist in the situation and explains what it's like to be dead to reggie and he's like it's like a dream slash perfume commercial <laughs> which is a I very like, like uh, apt comparison to what we saw you oh know, yeah i thought it was great and um reggie at the end agrees to help klaus he uh, starts by giving him a hug and slapping some electrodes on his back and electrocuting him uh for an experimentation and at that point klaus of course passes out and we get a fascinating from reggie at the end of that so uh, do we do we like the fact that he is <laughs> helping Klaus for his powers by murdering him? Well, I mean, that is his power, right? Like, his power is coming back. I don't know if this Reggie... I guess this Reggie kind of understands that now after Klaus has, like, told him everything. Um, But it did, you know, it did make me a little nervous on the first watch. But now knowing that it kind of works out, I was like, okay. I, I didn't think so just because I feel like if Klaus was going to die... And this kind of sticks with me throughout most of the season. If Klaus was going to die, he would have died when he was stabbed by the Wailing Sphere. So I yeah. just figured he would come back again. That's fair. That's fair. What are your thoughts on uh, Reggie helping Klaus? I think that with the perspective of having seen the whole season, it's very clearly for his own gain. Um, I feel bad for Klaus because his journey is like, let me try to write my bad relationship with my father with this other version of my father who might be nicer. And it turns out, yes, he's more smiley and like friendly to your face, but he still has the same like manipulative instincts and selfishness. So, yeah, there was an interesting conversation that uh, I forgot to mention in the luther part of the podcast but um ben mentions nature versus nurture Mm -hmm. and i think you know that's something to think about as as you look at this entire season because if you look at the umbrella academy versus the sparrow academy it can be very much labeled as nature versus nurture because one got nurtured and one did not but were they nurtured like they were like groomed (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess. But it, it's also confusing because it seems like they were this like robotic team who, at least in the beginning of the season, had some respect for their father. Like they're still why are they, why else would they still be staying at home doing the things they need to do? I mean, they're they're working like a corporation, but whose idea was that? Unless it was their idea to be like a corporation, why have they not left after they have the ability to drug their father and everything? I don't I think know. They need the money. I guess. But like to what end? Like what are they doing? You know? That's fair. I, I guess yeah. I guess they're being professional superheroes. Like I don't really know. I mean, that's I think that's what they are doing. That yeah. that's what I took away from it, at least with all of the billboards and the waving, the Marcus waving to the people. It, but the see, I almost feel like they might be more like just celebrities. Like I could see them being like on I don't know, ads and commercials and stuff, but I, I just wonder how much they're actually like saving oh. the day. Cause they just seem to be sort of sitting around. I don't know. I don't know. Like is Reggie sending them on missions still? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't was know. that a thing that Marcus did? Maybe that we didn't get to see. Oh yeah. Well, gosh. we didn't get to see much of Marcus, so it's possible. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Good questions. Well, anything else on Reggie and Klaus? Not in this episode, but we're definitely, we're leading up to a lot more for the next one. Picking up the pace. One of my favorite episodes is the next one. All right. Talking about, we had two more duos to go through in this episode, but, uh, and both have major plot things happen to them. So um, Lila and Diego 
continue um, looking for Stan because remember, Stan has disappeared. <laughs> we we don't know where Stan is, uh, and so we're looking. What it, what if he got googled? You know, Lila's like, what if he got googled? And this is like this wakes Diego up. He's like, oh yeah, you get better take this seriously. And this is where we find the hallway behind the Pluchinko machine. And um, they end up going through it and get to the other end, which on first watch I called the Bizarro Hotel. Yeah, <laughs> It was like just a little bit different. You know, they end up in the White Buffalo suite on that end. But instead of seeing the head of the White Buffalo, they see the butt of the White Buffalo. Um, the pictures are all just a little bit different. And they make their way to the lobby and there's a bell that says, do not ring. What were your thoughts of the first time you saw uh, Hotel Oblivion from this? Yeah, the first time I saw it, I thought it was going to be a very like upside down world kind of not like not like the Stranger Things, but I mean like mm -hmm. opposite world kind of thing um, where there was maybe going to be like I, I thought they were going to actually go outside the hotel and see something interesting and different. Mm. And I thought maybe this was going to be like the solution to the Kugel end of world was like, maybe the Kugel can't reach this. And so like they go through there and then they just go out into like yet another alternate universe. That's kind of what I thought this was going to be. Um, but it ended up not really being that it ended up being something a bit different. And I think once we figure out the explanation of what it ends up being, I'm confused as to why there is a note that says, do not ring the bell. Like <laughs> yeah. who put that there? I don't know. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Because I think, well, we've, we, we know having watched the entire series that like this, this hotel is, is guarded by guardians, but they don't seem to have any like rhyme or reason to appearing in the first, like it, this is the only one that has like a signal to yeah. my, to my recollection. Yeah. That's kind of what it seems like. Yeah. So uh, throughout their stay at the Bizarro Hotel slash Hotel Oblivion, uh, Lila <laughs> says to Diego, oh, man, if we don't find Stan, Trudy's going to be so mad. And he's like, Who who's Trudy? And this is where Lila confesses that Stan is not her child, not Diego's child, and kind of sends Diego on a little bit of a, a little bit of a trip. He's like, he he tries to justify things. He's like, it's okay, you know, like Stan's adopted. I was adopted. I can do this. Like, it's cool. Um, and then he's like, wait a wait a minute, you basically kidnapped this kid. <laughs> like, what is going on here? And Lila's like, that's okay. Stan's in on it. Which, like, throws Diego for a big, big loop. And we can tell because Diego's speech impediment or stutter comes back and he's not really able to, like, express himself in the way that he has uh, previously. And he throws things and he's like, I got this. I can handle this on my own. What did you think of this uh, revelation by Lila? I was actually kind of sad about it on the first watch. Like I kind of was growing to love the Stan Diego relationship. And so I was kind of bummed to find out this wasn't actually the case. I think it's also sad in some way because of how much Stan clearly like yeah. wanted to be Diego's kid, you know, like I think Stan's really looking for that father figure. It's just a show about daddy issues and Klaus and Stan are finding what they think is their new father. And then, doesn't work out great for either of them. <laughs> but yeah, I I feel like this was kind of sad. Um it's uh I think on the the rewatch it's also like kind of obvious that Lila might be sort of hinting around at this because she's starting to feel like maybe she, you know, they lose Stan and maybe she's feeling like she's not going to have the most maternal instinct or be the best at that. Um what did you think? My whole thing with that was like, why are you eating sushi? Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. Like, if there's one thing, there's many things that Shit's Creek taught me, but I will never forget the uh, no, no fish, no raw fish conversation around a baby shower. And like, you don't have sushi when you're pregnant. Like, that's like a big, I mean, you're not supposed to. You do what you want with your own body, but that's like a thing that people adhere to most times. Um, like, do you know, like, chemically like why that is uh there's high there's i think there's a risk of merc higher mercury and then also just like because things aren't cooked through bacteria you you just you just don't know gotcha um okay. but because like also cold cuts cold cuts are another thing that 
you huh. don't which are cooked cold meats but yeah um anywho that was like misdirection but she like she's all on the sushi this is not this like the first time she's gonna want sushi which like when she gets there the next time she wants more sushi and i don't so, know I guess she's I having a know. craving she loves it she loves it but so that was like i think a little bit of misdirection so if you were picking up on the like hey uh, I th- don't think I'm gonna make a good mom. And then she's eating sushi. It's like, oh no, she's not gonna. She's not pregnant. She's not gonna. Be What's that about? Well, I think the idea of like, why else would she be messing with Diego by telling him he has a child if she's not pregnant? My whole thing is like, I thought she wanted to be pregnant. Like, oh, okay, she wasn't gotcha. pregnant yet. But like, hey, hey, can we have this conversation? Like. <laughs> this the thing we can do type of thing um but yes i felt sad for diego during this whole thing yeah uh, me too i think in a weird way he was starting to get attached as well yeah uh at this point uh diego goes goes and rings the bell <laughs> he's like well fine because he goes outside he tries to go outside to find stan and he realizes he cannot leave the hotel like he goes out the revolving door and comes right back in comes like, right there's back in. no there's no way out so the only way out i guess is through in his mind so he goes ahead and rings the bell uh this is where like everything gets really dark there's lots of different lighting uh everything kind of goes a little bit off kilter you hear like some big clanking of armor uh and the you can see you don't really see the guardian. We know now that it's a guardian, but you don't really see the guardian. You just see this big ax take off two of his fingers. Yeah. At the end of it. Now, did you have any thoughts in terms of like the fact that he's losing fingers, that this is going to somehow, uh, I don't know, not be the real ending or something. You know, I, I think when you, that's like a pretty big thing for a show that kind of dabbles in being kind of light and funny to do, right? I mean, it kind of in the same way where it was like when they had um, uh, had Allison lose her voice at the end of the first season. Mm. I was sure whether or not that was going to be a forever thing, but I kind of assumed it wouldn't be because otherwise she has no power, etc. Or actually, I think at the time I had assumed that she would develop some sort of different power that she could use without speaking, but. Anyway. Yeah, I think like in this case, I'm not going. Sorry, Pinky and Ringfinger. I don't want to like diminish your value in my life, but I do think it's something that he could have learned to still be accurate with throwing around. It's mm-hmm. not like you know, like people say, like your big toe, like you lose your big toe, you can't really like do much. Yeah, you lose your pinky toe, you're kind of okay type of thing. Uh, I think that's kind of what I took it. I was like, oh well, he's got a new challenge now that he doesn't have two fingers on one hand. Um, I didn't really think about if this is going to stick around or not. It was different in my mind than Allison's because Allison was like directly. I mean, not saying that Diego's isn't directly connected to his superpower because he throws things, but. It was just different for me. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't know. It was interesting. Um, but I think also at this point, this is when I was in my swing of like powering through the episodes really quickly that I didn't have time to think about the consequences. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, screaming and running back to the other side. Uh, they finally make it through the hallway and close the door and you can hear like the guardian can make it through the hallway. Uh, but he cannot make it through the door. Uh, so they're safe for now. And when they arrive on the other side, stands back, stands there. Uh, he had just gone out for Slurpee and a Slim Jim, you know, like as you do. And uh, he's not there for long because there's another Google wave that takes him away. Do you assume that he bought the Slurpee and the Slim Jim with the money that Diego gave him? Yeah, the $8. Dollars. Yeah. Yeah, the $8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that checks out. Um. So goodbye, Stan. This is one I'm like not for long. Like this is one where I was like, yeah, he's got to come back. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. When. yeah, I don't know. It's so weird because there are things like Klaus getting electrocuted that I was like, eh, it'll be fixed. And then things like Stan leaving that I'm like, oh, shoot. Because at this point we had already Googled, you know, Marcus and didn't didn't have him come back. 
So I wasn't, I really wasn't sure. Unless part of me was thinking the last like two episodes would just be full on everybody coming back. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if like Marcus is like some high executive in Reggie's corporation that that, like takes over the world or something like that. Or Stan, Stan is like the inheritance, like he's going to get all the inheritance from everything. Like if they made it through the portal basically and i've just been living it up in the in the place where we leave off at the end of the the season yeah (laughs) that'd be interesting any last thoughts on our friends diego and lila no obviously a big a big (laughs) direction for them to move into um the discovering of the world on the other side of the Buffalo suite, obviously very important for the end game. Uh, The removal of Stan here while sad and definitely too soon. And I think also not treated with the amount of um, sadness that it should be over the next few episodes. Uh, But it does sort of move the pieces out of the way for the, for the rest of the show. Like how, how would they have handled, you know, the end when you get down to the last couple moments, you really only need there to be like seven people left. And so we have to kind of get rid of everybody else in order to get there. Yep. That's Reggie recognizes that himself. <laughs> He's like, yep. not everybody's coming through. So, um, yeah. And I thought it was an interesting way to kind of give us a peek at Hotel Like, tell us about Project Oblivion. Show us Hotel Oblivion, but not necessarily draw the two together right. quite yet. So right. I enjoyed the introduction to both in this episode. All right, it's time for the big showdown. It's time big for the show. big, the big to do. Uh, of course, we were talking about Harlan, Victor, and Allison's storyline in this episode, and it starts off. Um, remember, at the end of the last episode, Victor and Allison had kind of snuck Harlan out um, while everyone, because everyone really wanted to turn him into the the sparrows, but Victor's like, no, we got to go take care of this. Um, so Allison drives Harlan to a drive-in where he's listening to headphones. And I just have to say, if I haven't said already, big year for headphones, like big year on Stranger Things for headphones, big year on Umbrella Academy for headphones, headphones and Walkmans coming back. Watch. If you got one of those, I bet you they went up in value. eBay okay, you say that. And yet I am so scared to upgrade my super old phone because I don't (laughs) want to remove the headphone jack. So unless big phone industry starts adding that headphone jack in, it can only go Um, so far. Here's a way to do it if you're listening. Sell these Stranger Things or Umbrella Academy special edition phone (laughs) where you have access to headphone jacks. It could work. Thank you. Yeah, I would need that. (laughs) <laughs> so we've uh we're at the drive-in harlan's listening to his tapes and allison is asking you know like not in a curious genuine way but in a i'm angry at the world way what are you listening to and um he explains that he's listening to her like her vibration and she says you know what do what do i sound like and he says wrong and I thought that was interesting because what we learn throughout this entire conversation, like uh, we're here again so that Victor can basically take Harlan's powers away. And one of the ways that Harlan explains how to do that is like teaches Victor how to listen with his marigold, which is basically listening to the things you can't hear. So I think the way that this is working is that like Harlan's listening to his headphones and then trying to listen beyond the noise that's in his ears. So I think when he says, what are you listening to? He's actually listening to Allison, who's sitting in front of her's vibration. And says, this is wrong because it's not like what you usually sound like. Right. Yeah. I thought it was sort of like a, your chakras are off kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, you're out of tune a little bit. Yeah. Um Allison smokes now, so I don't know if they're making value judgments along the way, but her drinking and smoking has increased. Um, Victor arrives in the car. Have we talked about the car and the driving? We mentioned it briefly, but I can't remember if that was in, it was like in our second or so episode recap. Yeah. Why are they driving cars that drive like with the steering wheel on the wrong side? I think it was like, this particular car. I should like, say other side, not wrong side. Non-American <laughs> like, side. 
Yes. I think it was determined that it was like just Reggie's car. That is a. Where did they get Reggie's car? That I don't know. I don't know where they got Reggie's car from, but they're using it and they got the keys to it or they're magically attuned to it. I have no idea. Um, But Victor arrives and Allison's like wondering what the plan is. And Victor's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to learn how to take Harlan's powers away. What if that doesn't work? Uh, Again, she's feeling the pressure to kind of solve for the Kugelblitz situation and kind of tells Victor, you have until tomorrow. Siblings swear that this is going to happen. Like, don't mess this up, Tiny. Like she's she's gonna stand by, but she's not gonna give Victor forever to take care yeah. of this. Yeah, I uh, don't really know why she's on a rush timeline anymore, but okay. I mean, I guess the whole end of the world thing. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, then we see like the power transfer happen. Uh, it's basically like it reminded me of like Pokemon or some sort of like Yu-Gi-Oh or something where it's like you're standing and you're fighting and you're facing each other and there's bubbles of energy. Like it it was, it was, and it was orange and blue. So. Yeah. I mean, look, the logistics of what exactly they're trying to do here. I don't really get it. Harlan. I mean, sorry, Victor wants to take away Harlan's powers. Right. So why is Harlan doing anything with his powers? Because I think he has to generate, like he keeps saying, like let in, let in the vibration. So he has to like let out the vibration for it to be, I don't know, collected by Victor. Okay. I don't know. That's what I got for you. That's what I got. Um, There's just lots of energy. There's lots of energy and it forms a bubble. And at one point, Allison, like, I didn't know what she thought she could accomplish by like yelling outside of the bubble, but she tries to rumor Harlan to stop this because she thinks that it's hurting Victor. And Victor's like, no, listen, I can handle it. Don't, don't interfere. But Allison, of course, interferes and steps inside the bubble. And this is where I think like her powers change uh, because she says, stop it. And there's an effect without her saying, I heard a rumor that you stopped it. Yes. Although I was always kind of confused about why she had to say the, I heard a rumor thing anyway. It seemed like I always kind of thought that the, that she didn't need to say the rumor thing, but she just did it sort of like as her way to kind of channel her powers but not that it was necessary. But yeah, well, we did see a little bit of this um, in a s- episode prior to this. I can't remember. I think it was in the bathroom where, mm-hmm. like, we were questioning if her powers had, like, a different effect. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was, like, the bubble or if it was her just getting – if she was being fueled by emotional energy and that was what was taking the effect here. Yeah. Both are possible. Yeah. This is where Harlan is explaining. You have to listen. Listen with your marigold to the things you can't hear. Explains that like bees can hear pollen because bees are positively charged and pollen is negatively charged. So they basically like listen for each other and that's how they get attracted to each other. I don't know how bees work. I wish I knew. This was news to me. Hello, bees. I don't know. I don't know. Listen um, with your marigold. <laughs> it could have been a different, like, I, it makes, it's just weird to say, but that's what, that's what he thought. Um, at one point, all of this energy exchange brings them up into the sky and they, the rest of the sky gets super dark. So I don't know if they're also like vacuuming energy into themselves. Ooh. I don't know how this is working, but it gets super dark and there's lots of energy swirling and it, finally the glowy stuff comes out of Harlan and comes back, goes back into Victor. And I have to say in the COVID area era that we're in, it was a little weird to watch. Um, but at the end, it is successful. They fall out of the sky and Allison is also pushed back by this energy, but then the sun comes back out. What did you think of this situation? I mean, it reminded me a lot of like the whole like wands connecting in Harry Potter oh, yeah. kind of thing. Like it was all that kind of thing. I, I hear what you're saying about like Yu-Gi-Oh kind. It's you know similar power uh, exchange fight thing. It was fine. I still don't really understand the purpose of this. Like if the purpose was because Victor was like, 
I also want like to learn these new powers, but I think as we're going to see, it's not going to be super beneficial to have robbed Harlan of his abilities. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Pros and cons. <laughs> Afterwards, both Victor and Harlan are exhausted. Victor's resting inside of the drive-in concession stand diner area. But Harlan comes out to talk to Allison. And Harlan's like, you know, thanks for letting us do what we need to do. And he's like, I know why you don't like me. Allison's like, why? I don't like that you have this like hold on on my brother, but like what else what else is there to, to know? And Victor totally Which, wait, can I just pause real quick? Yeah. That, that's really rich from Allison, who's like oh, yeah. got a huge hold on all, like Ray, Claire, all these things. Why are you like so against the people that Victor has chosen to be attached with, like from the past? And I don't know, again, if this is, like, her realizing that she needs Victor's power because of her power, like, not feeling that her power is powerful enough. Like, teaming up with Victor makes her more powerful type of I think thing. It's, I think it's more that she just feels like Victor is Hers? one of the few people left she has, like, yeah. that, that really cares about her. And so she kind of is feeling needy and, and not wanting his attention to be divided. Yeah. But uh, she's, this is probably why she does not feel good about learning this information. Um, no, stupid Victor, Harlan. Why did you say this? Victor knew that Harlan killed everybody. Uh, well, killed their moms. And Yeah, and, it, and again, it's not so much that he killed their moms. It's that killing of their moms created the paradox that created the Kugelblitz that also created the timeline where Claire doesn't exist. Okay, but this is what I don't understand. Like, Allison says... Like you obliterated my child. <laughs> I was like, but I don't. How did that happen? I don't how? think that did happen. I think like the the end of the world was created by the paradox of their moms dying well, the and then showing like, up here. Actually, it's not even so much their moms dying. It's the fact that then they traveled to the future. It's right? the ending, like the current ending of the world that we're in that we're talking about, right? Like. But I don't think that Claire was going to have existed regardless exactly. of this. Claire wasn't going to exist because you didn't exist in the same way in this timeline. Exactly. Basically, so, you messed it up. Yeah. It's not just it's not even the going back to to the 60s that was really the problem. You could have gone back to the 60s and hid out or changed your name or whatever. It's the fact that you went back to the 60s and then talked to your dad and like became criminals and all of that. Like that's the problem. Yeah, so um, this is called mistakes. not taking responsibility for yeah. your actions. <laughs> because I was just like, what are you talking about? Why are you blaming Harlan for this? I did not. But I, I mean, I do understand. think that it is technically Harlan's fault for killing their moms. But like, that's really only a factor because they traveled into that future. Also. Right. Right. But I just obliterate. It was a bit much with the obliteration there. That's that's what I was like. Yeah. Well, what's going to be a bit much is what Allison does next. But Which yeah. is what? Yeah, she goes ahead and kills him. I mean, I was kind of over Harlan, <laughs> but I was I was less sad about this than I was about Stan's death. But um, like this is not how you handle your frustration or your feelings or your depression. You don't By murdering people. Murder people. Yeah, we we do not no, condone murder on this podcast. Correct. Correct. I was very surprised. I don't know how do you like, we don't condone murder, but I'm going to ask like, <laughs> how do you think she did it? Like do you think she rumored him? Do you think No, I think this was a classic case of like they also have their like sort of martial arts style of fighting and all of those abilities that we see a lot. I think it was probably more of that. I think Harlan, as a person without powers, if he now has his powers taken away, he's kind of a weak old man. Yeah. Yeah. And not only does, well, and this is all while Victor's like napping. Um, Not only does Allison kill Harlan, but then puts Harlan in the back of the car and drives 
him to the Sparrow Academy and kind of like turns him over to the Sparrow Academy, Ben to Ben and says like, this is done. Um, but you do see like Reggie on the stoop and Reggie gives a look to uh, Allison and Allison nods and they go in together. So I don't know if this is the beginning of the foreshadowing of their, of their little teaming up. And as I, go- I think it is. Yeah. As she goes in, she passes uh, Luther in the Sparrow uniform. So, yeah. I will have a lot more to say about the fallout of this in future episodes. Fair enough. Fair enough. There is one scene. I don't want to waste it all now. (laughs) (laughs) There's one scene that um, happened during all of the, during the energy battle um, that we didn't talk about yet. And that was Allison had a conversation with Ray while like on a playground mm-hmm. and learn, you know, I, I wrote in my original notes. I was like, can Allison see dead people now? Like, I don't know what's happening. Um, but they basically talk about how the fact that like Ray in this timeline died six years ago at the age of 82. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, I must have lived a good life. And I was like, not the life you deserve. <laughs> Um, and he's just encouraging her saying like look I'm gonna live on in your memories and in your heart can you just like promise me that you'll do what it takes to survive this and um then he he disappears did you have any big thoughts on the scene yeah I mean I think this is just a form of like she's had a couple sort of dreams or visions of him and I think it's supposed to be kind of like a you need to connect back to your other version of yourself right like this is the version of her that's not wrong as harlan would say um and i think it's supposed to weirdly make us long for that character which i do yeah character being other allison yeah it would be nice to see her around so yeah oh we also learned that uh the umbrella academy could not go to playgrounds because they were too juvenile so like where does this jennifer lady come in again again i don't know we i I need to know i need to know i I don't know i I think that's like that's gonna be season four stuff it's gotta be (laughs) any uh emblems or songs that you wanted to make note of in this episode yes so the emblem um is at the beginning when uh, after the scene where pogo leaves uh working for reggie it's um I can't tell if it's storming outside. Let me see if I can. I have to listen to it. It seems like. So Pogo walks out the door of the Sparrow Academy. And there's Sparrow emblems on the door. And as he walks out. Oh, no. It's it's that he he slams the door so shut so hard that the like glass where the uh, Sparrow sort of is cracks. And it cracks in the shape of an umbrella around mm. the Sparrow. So oh, that's, that's the nice. emblem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about songs. I, you know what? I, I feel like in the time when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, the songs are hitting just as well as previous seasons. But there weren't as many this season that were really. The like, only one I can remember is like during the Kill Bill Matrix fight at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. But I did not know what song that was. <laughs> but I was like, this makes sense. This song was like this type of song. It is sense. called Into My Soul. I'm, I can only tell you that because I'm literally looking at the scene right now. <laughs> um, it says it's called Into My Soul by Gabin, Gabin, G-A-B-I-N. So well, it is that. That's a pretty good one. Like Gabin. fight scenes are, are usually pretty good. Um, but the but the fight scene between or I don't know, fight the magical transfer of power scene between Harlan and Victor was just yeah. sort of like the more score sounding music. Yeah. Very orchestral. Mm hmm. Well, anything else on this one that we need to explore, chat, dig into? I think there's there's more that sort of was planted here, but is going to grow more in the next couple episodes. There's more I want to talk about in terms of Luther's relationship with Sloan, which we'll get mm-hmm. to. There's more mm-hmm. I want to talk about in terms of Allison's anger at uh, Harlan and Victor that I'll mm-hmm. talk about later. Um, so I think there's a lot like that was really built up here, but I do feel like this one felt like less of a filler episode, mostly because we had the scene with um, Diego and Lila in the other side of the hotel that like maybe at the time didn't feel super, super important, but there was a lot of like foreshadowing toward the end in this episode. Yeah. It gave us like a uh, hotel oblivion and the pregnancy timeline. Right. Yes. All at the same, 
all at the same time. And like with all of the Pogo stuff, it was sort of the cluing into this has been Reggie's game plan from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, more to come from us. Uh, We will be continuing our coverage with uh, episodes seven through 10. uh, And uh, you can find them in our affirmations feed at the beginning of the podcast. We'd love to hear from you though. So if you would like to send us uh, feedback, you can do so by joining the Patreon uh, discord by going to patreon.com slash Posha recaps. And uh, speaking of which, shout out to um, Derek on Twitter, who gave a really, really nice shout out to the podcast and uh, was asking other people to check it out if they are interested in the Umbrella Academy. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Um, Yep. So you can you can follow Derek's lead and find us on Twitter by uh, tweeting at us. I'm at Mars Bars, M-A-R-Z. And. Mary's at Frail Mary, or you can, like I mentioned before, email super at poshorecaps.com. Mary, is there anything that people need to know about what you're up to? Nope, same old, same old. You can find me on Kowski Cast, Cow with a K, and you can check me out on RHAP talking about Big Brother 24. Season's officially started. Yeah, that's it's rocking and rolling, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's, um, it's moving, that's it's, for sure. Yeah, yeah. This stuff is happening. Um, <laughs> And you can find me here on Poster Recap. Other than that, we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.